Well, I think we've got lots to talk about. Yeah, we do. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. In a one, in a two, in a three. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan, and welcome to another exciting edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter. We have so much to discuss today. It's going to be, I bet, I bet we exceed an hour. And doing that with me are my two good buddies. First off, the now healthy Dan Crook. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Peter. I'm calling in from Frisco, where I'm trying to hitchhike to... Arlington, so that I can see Thomas Roberts play next year. <laughs> I found out Dan's middle name is Thomas, and now I know that he has like the most English name of all time, Daniel Thomas Crook. It should be embroidered on a throw pillow for sure. I and mean, if that's a Christmas gift, then sure, let's do it. Would you like that? All right, excellent. Yeah. And uh, everybody, uh, don't get too close to the pod because he is contagious and I don't want you to get what he's got. It's our hero, yours and mine, co-founder and editor of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrick. Buzz, you don't feel well, do you, little buddy? No, I'm not doing so good. Today oh. I'm calling in from a Frisco ambulance on my way to the hospital. Oh, <laughs> I'm Buzz. I'm mess. Oh, yes. you're just pulling a bit and you got, you're like pinching your nose closed, right? I, I wish it was a bit. No, this is for real. <laughs> it's not good. Wait, we're going to do this very important pod with all this amazingly uh, dramatic information and talking about yeah. FC Dallas, and you're going to do it in this voice? Yeah, unfortunately. Oops, hold on. <coughs> oh, good yeah, it's not. Lord. It's not good. Yeah, it's been. A, I haven't had a lot of sleep the last two, three Are you days. Taking any drugs or anything? Oh yeah, lots of drugs. It's just not working yet. All right, all right. Hey, it's okay, Pete, you can edit this. Yeah, no, I love all this content. Um, <laughs> now, what I don't have, Dan, is that we've gotten away from uh, Dan's amazing collection of impersonations. Bulls. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> So I hope you have so one. Who wants to talk about soccer? I hope you have one prepared for the end of the pod because uh, I got requested that we pick back up on that again. Well, requests are good. People yeah. are listening. They're terrible, terrible. Uh, yes, as I uh, mentioned earlier, this is a very important pod because now we're down to the final game, and as most everybody predicted, either in or out, uh, it does it doesn't appear. It 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 is actually coming down <laughs> unbelievably uh, to the very last game of the season. Will or will not FC Dallas makes the playoffs? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the uh, unbelievably crushing loss in Colorado last week. Um, we'll talk about the salary dump uh, that took place uh, last week as well, uh, which had all sorts of amazing information in it. But we have to start off with the stunning news that broke today. In fact, uh, they even labeled it on social media as breaking news. North Texas Soccer Club relocates to Arlington's Globe Life Park. Un- I, uh, this is my immediate reaction I am so confused. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. Uh, you know, the, the, I think at its core, the most important thing to know is that from the beginning, they intended North Texas Soccer Club to be its own individual identity. You know, the idea was, that's why it has this different name. That's why it's not FCD2 or something like that. The whole idea was to have its own place to play and build its own fan base. 
Um, you know, because the teams that are the two teams or whatever only draw a couple of hundred people, whereas the teams that are full blown teams on their own draw more. You can look at Tacoma with the with the what they're doing and how that has worked. So um, they had a deal lineup last year. We won't we can't say where it was. We don't really know very many of the details. Um, but that deal fell apart at the last second. And that's why they ended up back at Toyota Stadium. But that's not where they want to be. So we knew in the long term, you knew this kind of deal was going to come. That location, interesting. Um, big stadium that's now converting to an XFL stadium. Uh, it's not ideal, but they must have gotten some kind of sweetheart deal. We don't know any of the details yet. So, um, you know, it's on the on the on its surface. The part I like is the idea that you can expand and get some soccer, good level soccer outside of Frisco, down towards other parts of the Metroplex. Hopefully, they can do good things with it, and we'll see what happens. As far as the the overall FC Dallas brand, you're talking about. You know, people in Tarrant County, which, you know, makes up a fair bit of the fan base of long felt unappreciated. Uh, you know, the team doesn't even make an effort to try and advertise or pretend they care outside of uh, Collin County and the north side of Dallas County. So it's uh, hopefully a nice boost to them. And uh, God, I'm not looking forward to that drive to games next year. Well, uh, look, I'm confused because I don't, get what the strategy is and i and every time uh dan and clark hunt and company drop some sort of a stunning announcement uh that just doesn't seem to gel with everything else they're doing i i give them the benefit of the doubt and i think oh they're rebooting like this is the start of something new um and then it turns out to be nothing like that and so i'll make a i'll give you an example of why i'm so confused the Hall of Fame, the announcement that they were going to uh, build this amazing new addition onto Toyota Stadium, and it was going to be built around the United States Soccer Hall of Fame. And I thought, oh, okay, so I guess they're going to start. And then, so now, and then they launch a USL team, and I think, oh, now they're really focusing on making Frisco the epicenter of soccer in North Texas. And now they've completely disconnected this second team and pushed it out into a different part of the Metroplex. And, and it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. I just don't get it. Even if that was their original plan in the first place, like they wanted to go play somewhere in Fort Worth or Denton or, you know, Terrell, Texas, I just don't get it. Well, there's a combination of, um, on the business side, a couple of factors. You know, the, the whole, I think if you look at it in a perspective of, this thing, this this USL team was going to lose money. It was going to cost a lot of money. So how can they, for their perspective, how can they mitigate that as much as possible? And when you're playing your games right after FC Dallas, you can't really charge more money for them. You know, you got these small little crowds that are carrying over. You know, the way you can actually try and pay for the whole thing is to have it be somewhere else and have it be its own brand, do its own marketing and sponsorship deals, do its own ticket sales, its own season tickets, its own fan base. So... I think, I don't know for sure, but I think that's what they're trying to do. Now, I, I can't tell you that it's a good idea and that it's going to work. That I, I have no idea. But I think that if you look at it from that perspective, how can we make it pay for itself? That's that's everything, I think. Okay, but the, the largest attended game in USL 1 this season across the entire league was less than 6,000 people. The average attendance in USL 1 across the league is like really minuscule, just over like less than 3,000 people, I believe. You know, 
they got to pay to turn the lights on, to staff the place, and certainly uh, the Rangers and the city of Arlington are, are doing something to throw in here. But why in the world, if you were going to do this, would you throw them in a giant stadium that looks like you're, you know, that's going to end up looking like you're uh, attending some sort of like a practice run session or something? I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that part is hard to understand because of the size of that venue, but. You know, the FC Dallas, uh, sorry, the North Texas games that follow FC Dallas games have 200 people. So if they think they can move it somewhere else and get 2,000 or 3,000 or 5,000, but, then that, that's but, it. I mean, I agree with you that the big stadium is going to look stupid, but that's okay. it. I mean, that's the whole thing. But here's my question. How many people have been going to North Texas games at Frisco when they weren't attached to an FC Dallas game? The same number, a couple of hundred, but you don't have a you don't have the chance to establish your own fan base and build your own fan base and build your own season ticket base and build your own cut client customer sales base. You know that's what they want is the individuality of it. Okay, and okay, so then that's going to lead me to the next logical question: uh, Aren't we having problems selling tickets for the big team in the first place? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's exactly what the why it took them so long to do is. I mean, period. This team, period, for a long time. The, the 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 people that ran the soccer operations going all the way back to Shellis Hyman were talking about this kind of team and the answer was we got to worry about FC Dallas so you know I don't have the answers to a lot of these questions for you all I can try and do is say this must be what they're thinking this must be the perspective they have it's it's not it's odd but you know I'm glad the team exists that's all I care about yeah so uh, Billy Joel uh, has a big concert there this weekend uh, the XFL team the Renegades. Are going to be playing there. We we've seen Dan. You posted a schematic of how the field's going to be laid out, and it's it's very typical, you know, soccer field in a baseball stadium wonkiness. And you didn't you actually go to a the 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 Champions League or the not Champions League the um, yeah the International Champions Cup yeah the ICC thing that took place there this summer, right? Yeah, it's it's a little bit different how they're laying it out. Um, Actually, for that, it was perfect. They rotated the field slightly, had it going along the... Uh, I know it's American baseball. baseball. You don't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the third it, baseline. It, it was going yeah. up the third baseline all the way from, essentially, from home plate all the way out into the left. To the uh, warning track. Uh, yeah, yeah, to the warning track. And we had measured that it was actually pretty small, uh, in in width and I I think what did we decide it was about 107 yards long, considerably larger than New York City FC. Yes, well, good lord. Um, but it was it was just a really nice configuration, and they're not doing that. I mean, obviously for the XFL field, they have to fit an extra what 13 yards in, so they're going to remove the one of the dugouts, a little bit of seating, have it there, and kind of just move it that bit further away. Have some temporary bleachers. I don't know if it'll be a particularly appealing place to watch a game, but um, you know, if they could, if they can match up what they did with the ICC, it'd be a, it would be a solid venue. And then we're also hearing that they're taking all of the natural grass out and they're installing turf at Globe Life. Have we confirmed this yet? No. Ugh. No, that's a that's a, something that's just going around at the minute, but. Seems like it's a strong possibility. Well, it would make sense uh, because I, my one worry was is now you're going to be playing on a field chewed up with the XFL wackiness, um, and now maybe the better solution is that it's a, a it's a turf field with the granulized rubber. I I don't know. I 
I don't know about you, but I'm definitely in the camp that a crap grass field is better than a turf field, period. Mm, I disagree with you. I am uh, I am of the mind that if I could go, I would rather play at uh, Portland than uh, a really crummy, uh, poorly, you know, poorly cared for and trampled on grass field. It's just, you, you can't replicate the give of grass, you know, you... You play on turf, you come off, your hamstrings ache, your knees ache, you, it, you've been running on concrete. Well, you. see, Dan, this is where I will differ with you on this, is that a, a properly maintained and properly installed turf field uh, doesn't do all those things. The, the, the places where that creates, uh, that problem exists is where the NFL is, is sharing these facilities because the NFL teams want less rubber uh, on the ground because that makes it that slows it down when it's when it's properly uh, installed with the proper amount of rubber for soccer uh, it doesn't create those issues as much so anyway we that's a stupid um, you know thing to uh, sidetrack on I just I, I here's here's the other part of this they they and this is so stereotypical of the hunts in the front office which is they drop this incredible bomb of information and they provide no context, no background, and really no hype either. It's just like, hey, we're moving our team to Arlington. See y'all there next year. Yes, that's that's about as FCD as it gets, right? Well, one of the one of the factors is the Rangers actually have have a commitment to the city of Arlington that that facility still stays up and running. I know the XFL is part of that, but you know if you're going to have a big empty building, you might as well try and get as much stuff in there as possible. So I imagine that they've probably came to FC Dallas. They, I mean, I don't know. Maybe oh. they even came to FC Dallas and said, "Hey, come play in our building. We'll give you a sweetheart deal. We need some stuff happening there." I totally don't. I, I, I totally agree with you. The other question I had was: Is this potentially uh, a a cock block of the hunts against anybody else who maybe had been hinting that they wanted to bring a USL pro team to uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area? That's possible. It certainly is putting your footprint all over the Metroplex and putting your footprint in the other half of the Metroplex to a certain extent. Um, there's no exclusivity, I don't believe, to USL markets, though. So like, even if it's a USL 3 team there, somebody can still put a USL championship oh. team there. <laughs> USL's not that protective. Uh, uh, now, Buzz, you are... Uh... You, sir, are not. You are discounting the power of Dan and Clark Hunt in the uh, U.S. Well, soccer circles, sir. Yeah, no, that's a very different. That's not a, that, you know their ability to say we don't want anybody else here is very different from the USL actually having a rule. You know, I mean, they they'll go into other markets where there's other teams, but um, I think it's very much the case that FC Dallas wants one of the reasons why they always targeted the western half of the Metroplex for this North Texas team, and one of the reasons it's called North Texas is because they want to be able to do this yeah. and have their footprint and control the whole Metroplex and not let somebody come in here with another team. Well, the, my favorite part of how this happened today was that the headline of North Texas Soccer Club relocates to Arlington's Globe Life Park created a not inconsequential amount of confusion because the name of this USL1 club is so effing generic that people read it as a reference to FC Dallas and there was a number of people on social media, people who even contacted me and went, North FC Dallas is going to Arlington? They're going to play in a baseball stadium? What's up with And like, no, 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 no. North Texas Soccer Club. What, what, and they don't even know what that is. Yeah. It, it, it was the most uh, insane part of how the day went down today when that news dropped. 
Well, you can easily see the confusion. I mean, there's people that don't know what FC Dallas is, let alone what North Texas SC is. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, if, if somehow people can make a connection in their mind that this is a part of the whole thing, or even if they think it is the FC Dallas and buy tickets, you know, terrific. You know, I mean, great. Let's build that brand up collectively. Well, it was funny. I had traded uh, text messages with somebody that said, FC Dallas is moving to Arlington. I said, where did you get that idea? And he, he cut and pasted the headline. And I was like, no, that's North Texas Soccer Club, their USL one. He goes, oh, I read it as a, like a reference, like North Texas, yeah. a North Texas Soccer Club, <laughs> which happens to be FC Dallas, is relocating. Yeah. So, again, that just highlights what a crummy job they've done in branding all of this so stuff. So here's the solution. Yeah. They take the Miami FC approach and call it the te- North Texas Soccer Club. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like it's the Ohio State University. Yes, yeah. It's- <laughs> Good thing they didn't trademark the. Oh, oh, uh, jolly good, uh, Dan. Yeah. That was a really good. I like that idea. That's a really, really good idea. Um, okay, so that takes place at the start of next year. Your uh, your USL one North Texas Soccer Club uh, USL one team will be playing all of their games in the forty five thousand seat stadium. Oh, baseball stadium, Globe Life Park, potentially on turf. So. That seems like an upgrade to me. Buy your season tickets now, kids. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe there's a whole other part of that story we just don't know. And at some point, somebody will get a video from Dan and Gina or somebody like that, and they'll explain to us why the move was made. Maybe, right? Maybe? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Okay, so I know nobody wants to talk about it, but let's get into it. Uh, Lucci and crew go to Denver, where they know they need to win to secure their playoff position. And uh, as everybody feared, they laid a giant turd, as they have multiple times this year on the road, not scoring a goal and uh, losing to the Rapids, the resurgent Rapids, 3 to nothing. And for the month of September, Lucci's crew scored one single goal. Unbelievable. What happened, Buzz? Well, before we even get into the play, I want to talk about the lineup just because I think uh, Lucci made two mistakes, I think. The first one is... He's never going to buy you lunch again if you keep bad-mouthing him. Well, after the game, he said he made a mistake and he was going to own it. So let's talk about what that mistake was in the lineup. Um, The first one is that given the lineup he picked... He messed his bench up. He had uh, Edwin Cerrillo and, and Ja'Cory Hayes as only midfield options. Those guys are too similar, right? There's no attacking midfield option to go in a Thomas Roberts-type guy. You needed Roberts on there. Otherwise, you had two defenders, two holding mids, and two strikers in Mascara and Pepe, right? You're, so his balance was all off, and he was stuck. When he had to make a change, he was stuck going with Ja'Cory Hayes as the two more offensive of those two guys. Now, the second mistake that he made was in the actual lineup where the more direct replacement for Brandon Cervania is actually Jagori Hayes. If you start the game that way, you're fine. But when he tried to go to get some punch, he didn't have any options. You know, and, and Brand, uh, sorry, Paxton Pomacall did a decent job trying to fill in there, but he doesn't have the defensive cover in front of uh, Acosta that... Um, Brandon Cervania does. You know, you needed the more like for like Jacory Hayes in there, and then that would have given you the freedom to either put Pax on the wing or put Jesus on the wing and Pax at the 10, one or the other, which would have been the more direct solution to all your problems. So, two mistakes in the lineup for me from, from uh, Lucci. And then once you get into the game, 
the same thing Reese has had that always does for, for Dallas lately, which is the inefficiency of shooting. 17 shots on the road is not a horrible number. You know, they have 55% possession. That's Lucci ball. But only three of those shots are on goal, and that's just not acceptable. That's not a finishing rate. Uh, not even a finishing rate. That's not even a shooting rate of a good efficiency. So it's like you're not going to win any games, particularly on the road in MLS, with that kind of uh, poor shooting. And and from there on, it just they just had no ability to get back in the game. This team is is one of the worst teams in the league in, in getting wins and points from a losing position. And on the road, they just had no way to come back into the game. And again, some of that's on Lucci. Well, I my question is, you know, with all of the promises about attitude and going in and fighting for the fans and the club and blah, 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 to once again come out in such a poor and flat performance, uh, this seems to now be an, a, a, an ongoing issue for Lucci. And I'm going to ask this question again. I alluded to it last week. Have the players essentially just kind of switched off on Lucci and the rest of the season kind of knowing uh, where all of this is headed? I don't think so. I, you know, when I watch training and I watch when they huddle up, you know, everyone still pay, is paying attention to him. They're not tuned out, you know, looking away and talking to each other. You know, there's a, still a lot of good camaraderie going on and training with each hold, other. Hold, hold uh, on one second. Is somebody yeah. riding a bike or churning butter in the background? My dog came into the room and he's drinking water. Oh, wow. That's an amazing... While churning uh, butter. While churning well, my, butter. Excellent. My mic is really good. No, it's, it just sounds funny in the background. <laughs> I'm not even editing this out because it's hilarious. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Buzz. I was just so confused by that sound. I thought, I thought somebody yeah. was uh, spinning a fan or... I don't know. He, he was, in a way, he was making the chuggy chuggies of the water. All so. right. <laughs> uh, where was I? What was I saying? Oh, yeah, the body language. Um, you know, I, I'm not seeing, you know, the rolling of the eyes, the, the turning away, the listening. The camaraderie is still there in training. I see guys cheering each other on. I, You know, when I talk to even when guys get benched, you know, and I, people will say to me, say, coaches or whoever else will say, oh, man, you know, that guy, he took it really well. He was cheering. He was really great for his teammates nobody was like getting each other's faces you know so i i don't i'm not seeing a tune out i just think that this team just is terrible on the road i mean you can look at their record from the whole year it's just abysmal only three wins and three three eleven and three i think it is i mean that's just not this is a bad road team so it's like you know there's been a couple of flat games at home but all these road games have been really difficult and they really are doing a poor job you know, you have to learn as a team, and we talk about it a lot, youngest roster in the league, you get to learn how to win games on the road. Every player has to learn how to take care of themselves on the road. It's just tough. So, Dan, is this uh, is your perception of all of this uh, related specifically to the fact that this is just a bunch of youth and inexperience across the board? Uh, is it related to attitude uh, or just overall quality of the roster to begin with? I'd go more with the quality of the roster. Um, you know, we knew that Lucci was going to be a little bit different in the style from Oscar. And he's, you know, inherited some players from Oscar's team. He's, in, he's you know, essentially inherited some more just from the, the scouting assignments that were set up to to complement the, the previous system. Um, you know, it, while youth is certainly... Uh, certainly a factor um you know you wouldn't put you know like a bhaji failing down as as youth um it's you know there's a, there's a big combination of things going on there and 
in some ways, uh, you know, regardless of the result Sunday, um, the, the best thing for the, the club is to uh, turn the page onto next season and, and have that those first uh, those first players really brought in specifically for Luchy Ball. And that was one of the questions that I wanted to get back to because you, you mentioned him in particular. Um, what has happened to Thomas Roberts, by the way? Well, the playing time he was getting earlier in the year was a lot of it related to um, international call-ups, you know, and guys being hurt. I think he's still in the same place he was before. He's done a really good job. Um, when he came out of the academy, he was a pure number 10 type, you know, um, very offensive-minded player. But he's adapted his game, which uh, Pablo Arangis did not do. Um, Thomas has adapted his game, and he's learning how to be an eight kind of player, you know, a two-way player. So that's really been positive. But outside of that, it's like, you know, it's just a case of he's very similar in a lot of ways to, oh, my goodness. What did your dog do now? That wasn't my dog. Um, yeah, sorry, drop something. <laughs> <laughs> did you drop your tea and crumpets? I did not. The top tray of a toolbox fell over. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. that was a loud one. Um, so I, I think he's in the same place he was before. You know, he's a he's the third choice guy, you know, now at that sort of 10 spot or free spot, whatever you want to call it. He's just far down the depth chart. You know, he's, he's a young guy. Lucci doesn't trust him 100% yet to be like in these big high pressure games. So, But did he ever you know, that, do any? did he ever do anything in his performances to earn that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, he has the same ability that um, Paxton does to make those little bursting runs into the box, and he's probably the best ball skill player they have. And he's probably the, one of the better passers they have. But um, he's such a young guy and so inexperienced that he tends to try and force it a little too much. And maybe over the course of a 90-minute game, he sort of, you know, maybe 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 loses focus for five or ten minutes here or there. You know, and over the course of 90, you might get 80 great minutes and five minutes of, of not so great. So... You know, it's it's still a progress for him. You know, he's going to be involved as things go forward. Maybe he'll be involved more if and when Dallas starts selling some people, or maybe he'll be involved more next year when they clear out some of these high salaries and he's a year older and he starts to progress more. One of the things he needs to do in particular is when he goes down to North Texas, he needs to dominate games completely. He needs to make it. He needs to be so good that it looks stupid that they sent him down to North Texas, and he's not quite there yet. He does dominate the game. But he doesn't control it, as I say, for 90 minutes. He controls 80 minutes of it. So it's it's just a small step more in his progression, and I think he'll be involved much more next year. you got to forget, this is his first season as a pro. Paxton was here for three years, and Thomas just got here. So I'm not too worried about his progression and where he's going. Uh, and then I saw a lot of criticism of Lucci and his decision that when they were down 2 nothing, he took off Jesus Ferrer and threw on Ja'Cory Hayes. I, I, did he not have any other options uh, in terms of going out and scoring goals at that point? Well, that's what we talked about was, you know, missing missing Roberts on the bench. He didn't have an offensive punch. Basically, what he did was he adjusted for the mistake he made in the beginning. Jesus really struggled to find the game. He couldn't find the ball. He, had, he wasn't doing anything in the final third. So you move Paxton up and you get his punch. That's the problem with Paxton Payne as an eight, too, is you lose that little extra punch he brings. And, um, you know, it. You just—they were trying to spark it up and liven it up. They brought Mascara on, and he was terrific again, coming off the bench. That's like the third or fourth game where he's been really impactful. And this one, he was arguably FC Dallas's best player coming off, other than Jesse Gonzalez, who was amazing. But uh, Mascara, at least, was really impactful. He like, like one out of three passes he made was like a key pass or something ridiculous like that. So, um, you know, I, 
uh, he used the tools he had. I, I wasn't so keen about leaving Baji on instead of taking leaving leaving Cobra on instead and taking Baji off. But you know, Baji's been working hard and he does do some high pressing and it is his former team. There's always that theory, so maybe that's what Lucci was thinking. But you know, he just didn't have the quivers in his arrow in this one, and, and it was probably doomed from the get go. Well, that's unfortunate considering the serious nature uh, related to playoff positioning. But you know, luckily for Dallas, everybody else at the end of the at the bottom of the of the playoff table sucks too, and uh, they're still in a position to get themselves in. Uh, why don't we? The the game is on decision day, Sunday, five p.m. Toyota Stadium. Uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City comes to town. They're already knocked out of it. Uh, Dan, can you uh, give us the scenarios in which uh, FC Dallas qualifies for MLS Cup playoffs 2019? Yes, if they win, they're in. That's the only one people need to worry about. No, but there uh, are other scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me, sorry, I've got to get the stand-ins on now. <laughs> um, so being ahead of... Uh, being the point ahead of San Jose, um, you know, San Jose has to beat Dallas's result, essentially. Um, if the Dallas uh, loses and uh, San Jose ties, San Jose has the first tiebreaker, which is the wins. Uh, that would put FC Dallas out on a tiebreaker for the second time in three years involving San Jose. That would be terrible. Uh, let me see. But they could even lose this game and still make the playoffs. Yeah. If Portland yeah. beat San Jose, uh, Colorado fail to win, yeah, then and FC Dallas is, is in as it is. And then there's the uh, total chaos scenario where Colorado actually ends up qualifying based on some sort of like third-level tiebreaker or something like that? Um. No, I mean if if they uh, if Portland if, wins, if Portland wins, Dallas loses, and Colorado wins, don't they get in above everybody else based on goals scored or something? Yes. No, on on uh, wins. Oh, They'd is have it not- thirteen wins to Dallas's twelve? I thought there was another scenario where they're tied with San Jose and they get in anyway because they've scored. Or- it would have to be. If Dallas loses, San Jose and Portland tie and Colorado wins, then San Jose and Colorado would be tied with the 13 games in the first tiebreaker, so it would go down to the... Well, yeah. Uh, if if Colorado won by two goals... Oh, that's what it was, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Then it would then go to goals scored. Amazing. Hey, I was, you know, uh, either one of you... Uh, I'm wondering, as you watched the Rapids in this game, was there ever a moment where you uh, saw Kellen and went, man, I really miss him. I wish he was still playing for Dallas. No. It's fallen off that much, huh? I, You know, he was in the game. You know, he looked all right. I'm not, I was much more impressed with uh, Jack Price, <laughs> to be honest with you. Hmm. Fascinating. I, I didn't. Uh, I really. I almost didn't even notice Kevin Calvin was in the game. To be fair, you called him Calvin. No, I said Calvin. It's just I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he should change his name to Calvin. Calvin Acosta. Yeah, he's going to be in a uh, movie with JJ uh, Abrams. 
All right. Uh, anything about uh, Buzz are you sensing in terms of lineups or predicting if Lucci corrects the mistakes from the previous game and, and what rolls out for a starting 11 on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, obviously the back is obvious. Uh, Jesse's obvious. I mean, he had an amazing game against Colorado. Not that you would bench him anyway, but um, Brian Acosta's back, of course. Not back. He'll be there. Uh, one thing to watch watch for is if Acosta gets a yellow card in this game, Lucci told me that he'll miss the first the playoff game. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> Brandon Cervania is back. He's cleared. He looked great in training, so he's fine. Um, I did talk to him, actually, about his concussion. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Um Let's see what else. Uh, I think, I think this is actually the game where you're going to see. I think just sort of based on a couple of rotations I witnessed, I think they're going to pull the trigger on Baji at left wing and not start him. I think it'll be somebody else. Um, <laughs> Seems a little late for that, but I know, I know. But um, you know, up until now, uh, all the things I watched in training kind of were leaning towards like, oh, it's going to be Baji again. It's going to be Baji again. But this time. Um, there was a couple of tweaks in the rotation that I thought, oh look, oh maybe maybe something different's happening, and um, so I think there's a good chance that uh, you might see Mosquera or Paxton Pumical in that spot. Um, Paxton had Tuesday off in training, you know, he's still dealing with his hip flexor, mm-hmm. so you know how he comes through the rest of the week in training probably will determine whether it's Paxton or whether it's Mosquera at left wing. Otherwise, it'll be, of course, Andresic and Barrios up there, up top. So that's that's your big question mark: is that left wing spot, and which who's going to go there, and and we'll see based uh, on Paxson's health. Okay, so let me ask this: so is Cervania likely to play? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, based on what I saw in training, oh, no. he looks like he's a hundred percent back, ready to go to me. So it'll be him and Acosta. Okay, hold on, wait a second, because I'm already starting to see what is sizing up here. So if you're telling me that Baji's not likely to start and somebody's going to take that place and a mascara maybe has uh, fallen into that weird niche of time where he's actually looking good and he starts, are you telling me yeah. there's a scenario in which Paxton doesn't start this game because Lucci is so uh, Jesus-focused at the moment? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm right now Jesus oh. is the 10. Oh, Paxton's oh. either le- If Paxton's healthy and can start, then he'll get in there pro- maybe for mascara. If he's not... You know, ready to start healthy, but he's bench healthy. Lucci really likes what Pax is bringing off the bench. And Jesus is definitely, and it's been this way for about a month and a half now, uh, Jesus is ingrained at your 10 for the oh, rest of the okay. season. Oh, okay. All right, stop. Dan, Buzz, please talk me into why that makes any effing sense whatsoever. Don't look at me. I'm with you on it. Um... He well, bought you. He I, bought you lunch. You're like his best friend. You yeah, gotta, you, no. I'm gonna make you stick up for Lucci's dumbass decision I'm, on I'm, not starting Paxton. I'm I'm not gonna defend it, but I I can try and explain it if you want me to. I mean that's not the same as defending it because I'm I'm with you. I think Paxton's your most dangerous player when he's in that ten role, um, be, particularly because he's really good at high pressing and really good at creating those turnovers right there in the danger zone. When you put him out on the left wing. It's still good, but it's only you know a quarter or a third of the field on the left side. It's not the whole thing. It's not right there in the hot zone, whatever that zone 14 or whatever it is they call that. So I'm with you. I want it to be Paxton. But if I can try and say why it's not, one is right now Paxton's walking this thin line of is he healthy, is he not healthy. But the biggest reason, and what Lucci always talks to me about with Jesus, is his... Um, what I would call his combo play when he comes back. It's his ability to sneak 
between the lines of the opposition and help the team build forward. Lucci says that they're much better um, building up through the middle when Jesus is the 10 versus when Paxson is the 10. Okay. Now you, whether oh, you can wait. believe him or not, no. that's oh, what well, he says is let's, true. Let's not go by opinion. Let's go by fact. How many games has FC Dallas won with Jesus Ferreira in the 10 position? I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm, I imagine that they're looking at a great deal of statistics when he's saying that. I mean, I doubt he's making that up. He must have some statistical evidence. I'm just, All talk, this I'm just talking fancy about, dynamics. I'm talking about stupid ass just wins. I'm I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but it can't be more. Than, I mean, how many times has he started in the position? Ten. Uh, I I would have to get the notes out and go game by game to figure that out. I don't have an answer to that. All question. right, maybe we can tweet this later on, or somebody can tweet it for us. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the number of times this team has won with Jesus as the ten is maybe three times tops. Not many because they started going for that really crappy spell. That's my sense. Is that it was when Pere- uh, when Pax. Pax got hurt and then left for a national yeah. team call-up. Jesus started playing that position, and I think they've won two games since then. Well, they also sold uh, Grezzo. So, I mean, it's it's team game, right? Sometimes that's an unfair comparison. I mean, I, I think it's an important stat. We'll look it up. But, you know, I, there's lots of problem. factors. You've also got a problem that, you know, it's, it is creating that link between the lines, you know, where you expect the eight and the... Yeah, and the nine to be, but if you don't have a real convincing nine, you can create all the chances in the world and it don't count for anything. Oh, I agree with you, but I, I'm just saying as a fundamental base conversation, Pax, Paxton is a better 10 than Jesus is. This team was playing better when he was playing that position or when they were playing dual eights, um, and, and, and I am utterly baffled as to why... If, if given the opportunity, and again, this makes an assumption that Paxton's injury situation isn't so fragile that that's, why this, that's what this is all about. Um, if all things are being the same, I, I don't ever understand a scenario in which you start Jesus in the center of the midfield over Paxton Pomichol. I just don't get it. Well, we're going to have to get used to it because this problem's not going to go away. You know, I mean, unless they sell one of the other guys, yeah. Lucci's going to have this problem for the next two or three seasons. Okay, well, maybe he's not, because I'm thinking if I'm Paxton Pomacall, his agent, and his parents, I'm thinking, oh, maybe sticking around here for a long-term deal doesn't look so appetizing after all. Because if I'm not even going to get quality starts at my position of choice, why not go to Germany and make a kabillion dollars and, you know, try my luck there? Right? I mean, at some point, Paxton's got to th- start thinking about that. Well, he's probably already been thinking about that, but, um, you know, I, I, I can't defend it. I don't have an answer for you. I can tell you what Lucci's told me, which I did. You know, other than that, you know, it, it definitely is a concern right now that Paxton's in and out of fitness. That's part of it. But it definitely is also the case that over the last month and a half, Lucci's made his bed with Frey as his 10, and he likes him better. Uh. Paxton looked healthy the other day. He came on the field, uh, got forced on in the Cervania concussion situation, and he looked amazing immediately right off the bat. And I don't I, well, see. I disagree with that. I don't think he looked amazing right off the bat. I thought he looked terrible for thirty minutes. Oh, I, in like thirty-five seconds, he ran in the eighty yards and put the first shot on goal for the team. I uh, that's <laughs> that's one play. It's like other than that, he was barely in the game. Well, Even Paxton himself said he, he was horrible for the whole first half. All right. All right, fair enough. 
I, I look. I, I just I'm not buying it. I don't think he's uh, health wise as fragile as people are making out to it. I I just don't get it. I think it's a favoritism issue. I think Lucci just likes something better for a reason we can all disagree with, and he's the head coach, and I'm not. And that's the end. Yeah. Of it, I suppose that maybe that is the end of it. I mean, that, that might be the only reason that really matters in the end is that he likes Jesus in there. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, there's also looking past the season. If you think Jesus is the long term. 10 for this team and he needs to get those minutes but Paxton may be the long term 8 you you know you, you you do have the time to stick Jesus in the 10 and let him grow into it knowing that Paxton and Brandon can just fight it out for the 8 okay so I'm going to ask both of you guys I like Jesus Ferrer as much as the next guy well no I don't because I don't like him as much as uh, Lucci um <laughs> Uh, I take that back. Do either of you see in Jesus in that position what Lucci claims to see in Jesus in that position? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I know what he's talking about in the linking play. If you, if you watch Jesus play, he's really good. Sneaking between those lines and quickly getting the ball and spinning and turning and moving it forward. Okay. And, and, Paxton, he, and, he, and you're saying Paxton is not good at that. I'm saying or that, not as good yeah. as that. Well, that's not what you asked. You asked me if I saw what Lucci says, and I said yes. Well, no, I'm, so I'm following it up with another question, which leads me to then wonder, because I'm assuming that if Lucci feels this way, it's because he feels Paxton doesn't do that or does not doing it, does it do it as well. Because if he did, with all the other thing Paxton does really, really well, he'd start Paxton. Yeah, I think he's saying that, he, that Jesus does it better. I think that's what he's saying. When he, when he says that, when I said, what does he do when you use him in there? Why do you use him in there? And he said it's because of his ability to crack those lines and link forward. That that's what he means. That, that's, that he does it better than anybody else does on the team. Dan? I mean, you can, the, the passing charts do seem to show, you know, Jesus does play that, that linking role really well. He does, you know, like, literally likes to use the, the term that he sneaks in. And, and he does. He kind of just, uh, you know, sometimes appears out of nowhere with it. All right. Well, I am baffled, and uh, if Paxton doesn't start on Sunday, uh, what little hair I have left on my head may uh, get uh, torn out. Now, this is go. This is actually really good timing to uh, drop into the conversation about the other big news that happened last week, which is uh, the annu- the biannual Major League Soccer Player Union salary dump. Um, because, boy, we found out all sorts of interesting information uh, about Football Club Dallas, including the fact that they now are the only team in Major League Soccer that is not paying a single player a million dollars in salary, which I don't think surprised any of us. I think I was just more surprised that every other club like Colorado or San Jose or um, some of those teams actually are paying players over a million bucks. Yeah, I, I had not noticed that stat until you brought it up. That's a, uh, you know, Dallas likes to have a bunch of guys right under there and use a bunch of little TAM money to buy them down a little bit. You know, they have, I don't know, last season there were like seven dudes that were DPs technically, but they buy them down. This year I think there's only four or five, but that's kind of their go-to mojo. But um, I think it's pretty fair that to, to point out that Dallas is not spending anywhere near where they need to be spending. That's a perfectly fair criticism of what's going on. Well, the thing that I know, I think some of the notes that we uh, picked up out of the salary dump, 
is, you, you know, it, for the last couple of years, we were all somewhat surprised to find the Hunts had uh, spent so much money or increased spending to the point that it had, had put Dallas back up into the middle of the table, middle of the pack in terms of salary spending uh, this year. Uh, they've dropped off. In fact, they're down back to 20th in spending, um, which maybe is what we all probably expect more out of the team than we've gotten out of the previous years. But the fact that it has dropped uh, is pretty amazing. But the really amazing stat that came out of it uh, was, well, there was two of them, one of which was that uh, Andrezic Christian Coleman, who you can't forget, I know he hasn't played all year, but you can't forget him uh, because he's a part of this. Jossie, who turned out to be, by the way, the second highest paid player on the team behind Rito Ziegler at, what was it, $719,000? Yeah, and, guaranteed, yeah. Yeah, and Santiago Mascara. Those four guys together have, have uh, cost the team $2.4 million. And... Uh, and when you compare and contrast that to Jesse Gonzalez, Brandon Cervania, Paxton Palmicall, Reggie Cannon, and Jesus Ferreira, those kids uh, cost them less than $700,000. And what really makes it bonkers is that those four guys making the 2.4 this season prior to the Colorado game had uh, spun up 1,750 minutes of action. The five kids account for just under 10,000 minutes for the season. And that is why the homegrown model is so desirable. Yeah, that that at its core is why I've mentioned several times that this team's going to have a pretty um, strong makeover this winter. You know, this this was the first year of Lucci, you know, working with this team and deciding what he likes and what doesn't like and who's working, who's not working. You can you can just look at this list and see a bunch of whole whole bunch of salary that's going to get dumped. They've already said on the record that they want to take care of the kids that have earned it. So they're going to try and give these guys raises. Now, whether they'll accept raises or not is a different question. Reggie apparently keeps turning down their offers. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with these kids. They may all be stuck playing on the same numbers they have now if they force FC Dallas to pick up their options. But um, there's going to be some pretty big turnover on this team this winter because, as you just read off, there's a bunch of high-salary dead weight, and there's a bunch of young kids that are going to come up and get paid and move off of the bottom of the roster. There'll be some new kids on the bottom of the roster. That's how it's going to work from now on. But wait, Buzz and Dan, I actually have some of even more stunning numbers for you. So the top nine paid players on FC Dallas are in this order. Rito Ziegler at $870,000. I think we all agree that's probably good value for the cash, right? Yeah. Okay. After Ziegler, in second place comes Edwin Giassi at $719,000. Total flop, waste of money. Brian Acosta at six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I'm still not sold that Brian is uh, the end all be all as a DP, but I was somewhat surprised at six fifty. I thought he'd get a little more than that. Yeah, that number is actually good for his value. I think I, I would agree with you. Uh, yeah. Santiago, Ma- so maybe that makes up a little bit for the Giassi uh, turd. Uh, Santiago Mascara, uh, absolutely the most fragile guy on the team, and I'm not sure they're getting their value out of him at $591,000. Christian Coleman, who, well, that's a Christian Coleman, uh, comes in uh, at $885,000. And then Matt Hedges at five seventy five. dollars The Cobra, 
or the Zobra, as uh, Buzz likes to call him, at 522. Yes. He's tied with Brasson, who uh, at 522, and Michael Barrios, who's probably the most underpaid player on this list, at $500,000. Out of the top nine players, only four of them, four are regular starters on this team. Unbelievable. Well, um, one of those situations is the um, ziegler Brassad situation because um, Ziegler is what now, 33? He'll be 34 next starting next season. So I think Brassad, and I said this when he was signed, I think Brassad was bought here to replace Ziegler. So that's a trade-off that's in the middle of happening. So that's a wash. Cobra was a bust until all of a sudden he won – 500000 for a foreign striker. I mean, I think that's a little high for the value you're getting from him even now. But I do like him now when I didn't like him at all before. Coleman was guaranteed. <laughs> he's gone. Sainty of healthy, I think it's okay. So, But he's never you know, healthy. I know. That's the problem is he's never healthy. But, you know, I, I don't I don't know when his deal's up. So I'd have to look into that. But you can see why, though. What I'm talking about when I say there's going to be some turnover on this team and some and face lifting on this team because there's a lot of guys right there getting paid a lot of money that are not producing high enough. And the guys that are producing are the kids, uh, Paxton, Jesus, Reggie Cannon, you know, uh, Brandon Cervania. I mean, guys like that are getting it done. You can see why everybody in the organization from a coaching and an owner perspective thinks this this youth thing is awesome. You know, the value per dollar is amazing for those well, kids. except for the fact that they're struggling to make the playoffs. Well, everything is relative. You know, the, 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 it's, they're struggling to the playoffs, but the, they're not that far off where the team's been the last two years. And as you already said, their salary went, went way down. They're not that far off the last two seasons' point totals. Right. But they're just living up to everybody's expectation of... Uh, exactly. Right. Like nobody, nobody is ever going to move forward with this club or this ownership and go their first commitment, bar none, is winning MLS Cup year in and year out and being a a true contender for MLS Cup. It is uh, we are going to hold a bottom line and we're going to grow kids and sell them. That's really our primary uh, objective here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we've been saying for a couple of years. I know that's going to sell lots of season tickets. Well, you know, we talked a long time ago about the idea that you can sell a lot of season tickets if you can sell the local hero angle, sell the kids, yeah. sell that 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 idea is a fun idea in a lot of ways. You used to talk about how fun that idea was going to be. I, it, now yeah. that it's happening, you hate it. Well, no, it's not it's a happening. Great idea. No, it is a great idea, but it's not happening, Buzz. They're not doing it. Like they don't. It's they the, don't. They don't do that. They they have the. the they have the the building structure of it with Paxton and Jesse and and Jesus and those guys, but they aren't marketing those guys as heroes. They're not. Do- well, I mean, SMU Mustang Football is doing a better job of marketing their product and rebranding their product than FC Dallas with, is. Within the context of what Dallas does, they've made Paxton the face of this franchise. This is the first season of this experiment. <laughs> they've made they've put Paxton in front of every camera and done every league thing they can with Paxton. No. Look, if you want to talk I, about how, say, how the hunts suck at marketing and can't sell for shit, then I'm 100% with you. But to claim that they're not doing the best they can and making packs in the face of this franchise is crazy. They're 100% doing that. Somebody in the local media who was very well known said to me the other day, you know who the face of this club is? Gina Miller. Yes, I agree that they stink at it, but that doesn't mean that they're not doing it. Those two things are different. Well... 
I, I find uh, I, the, the question that really comes to mind when I look at these numbers is how did the Edwin Jossi deal at $719,000 go down, especially now that he's actually starting to give blowback on his situation? And then there was a story uh, from a Ghanaian paper saying that he's actually leaving the club, he's going to cut his contract out, and he's returning back to his Eastern European club that he came from. Not that, you know, good riddance, dude. You, you, that he feels like yeah. he's good enough and nobody can tell him that he's not good enough to be not uh, to be not playing for this team. Well, he's on a loan deal, so I'm sure they'll just let the deal expire. I mean, he was in training on Tuesday, so he's not left yet. I mean, I imagine that this contract is based on the contract he was getting paid for whatever club he came from. Right, I mean, isn't that how that works? You just pick up when you loan uh, some yeah. player that you pay a percentage of what their deal was up to the whole thing. Yes, you know, so it's like it's not like the FC Dallas negotiated that money; they just negotiated how much they pay of it. For all we know, well, he's getting paid like five million. Well, loan deals normally do have you know you're going to pay his wages, and then if you want to sweeten a two to player, that's there too. Well, it could be the opposite too. It's like that's one of the deals with. That's why they had so much trouble getting a loan deal for Arangis, is they couldn't find anybody that was willing to pay Arangis' entire contract. So it might be that they're only paying part of this loan deal. You don't know. He might get paid five million dollars a year, or it could be that he pays less and you're paying him sweeten it to get him to come. It's right. hard to know which one it is. Now, Buzz, I am going to ask you because I I, I made a note because. Uh, uh, Last podcast, I completely forgot, and the podcast before when you made this statement, I asked you to put a pin in it, and I forgot to come back to it, but now I'm going to hold you to it. Uh, two podcasts, two episodes ago, you said this team is going to look completely different come the, the window transfer, uh, and you said it in a manner that made it sound like somebody's told you something, or you uh, broke into the headquarters and read <laughs> some documentation, or you've hacked into some emails. What is it that we should be looking forward to now that the, this season's essentially burned out and done? What should we be looking forward to for the 2020 season of FC Dallas? Well, I don't want to spoil the offseason content too much, but um, it's what we've just been talking about. It's with the idea that there's a bunch of guys that are veterans that aren't performing, that aren't reliable, and that you're paying all this money to them. And the guys that are performing and are reliable are the kids. So if you thought FC Dallas had doubled down already on kids, they're about to double down even more on kids because the kids are performing and the veterans are not. So you can read between the lines just like I do. You read these contract numbers and you think, what a waste of money. We're going to get rid of these five or six dudes and they're going to be replaced by probably a couple of signings, but also some kids getting promoted and getting some more money. So you're, you're, I think you're looking at at least five, maybe in as many as eight or nine different new players in this winter. So it'll be a mix of foreign signings and a, and a mix of um, kids coming up. So that's a pretty dramatic turnover in my oh, estimation. I would com- it's, oh, it's essentially starting over. It's another rebuilding project. Well, it's the finishing of the rebuild they started last winter when they committed to Lucci Ball. Uh, I, well, I would argue that when you replace more than half of your roster, you are now rebuilding again on top yeah. of rebuilding. That's not, sure, yeah. that's not a, it's, that may be a, a that's semantics to say it's a continuation, but the reality is you've essentially just wasted 2019 and your rebuilding actually starts in 2020. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so let's walk through that. So who would be the kids? So when you say the kids are, are, are dependable and good, who are those kids that are now suddenly going to start taking Edwin Jossi's place, Santiago Macera's place, um, and whoever else, you know, uh, Andrezic's place? Who's going to be our starting nine? Uh, I really don't want to do this right now. 
this is an off-season discussion. This is like this is our 2020 rebuild discussion that's going to take an hour and a half. All right. It's like this is not this is not what we should be doing with one game left for the playoffs. No. All right. All right. Well, nice tease, Buzz. I guess we'll uh, hold off <laughs> for the uh, end of season episode next week. Okay, uh, then the last thing that we should be talking about is the odd, weird side story uh, that broke uh, its local business news that FC Dallas's jersey sponsor and uh, primary sponsor, Advocare, is having to pay the FTC, the United States government, a $150 million fine because it turns out, surprise, surprise, it was all a pyramid scheme. Uh, now, Avocare people will tell you that sometime last year they completely reconfigured the company and removed all those things and everything's kosher now, but they're going to pay the fine. But that all seemed to oddly coincide with a sale, like in a crazy sale on jerseys, not just the outgoing home jersey, but even the brand shiny new reunion away white shirt, which all have Avocare on it. Are we all thinking the same thing, Buzz, that Avocare is going away? Yeah, I am now. Um, a week ago, I was not. Um, they had that sale they did where everything that had a uh, Advocare branding on it was like fifty percent off, and I thought, wow, that's that's really weird. And then and then it was like, oh, well, this game is presented by Advocare. Okay, that that sort of sale makes sense in the context of that game. Well, then this fine happened for one hundred fifty million dollars, and then you combine that with the fact that MLS signed a league wide deal with Body Armor to be their new sort of energy drink kind of provider. So none of those three things by themselves make me think, nah, there's a New Jersey sponsor next year because the deal does run through the end of 2020, the FC Dallas's deal with Advocare. But when you add those three things together, wow, that, that really starts to give me a where there's smoke, there's fire kind of uh, vibe because those are three pretty big, massive deals that in, even among themselves make you kind of go, raise your eyebrow. When you put them all three together, boy, that sure seems like there's a new deal, a new Jersey sponsor coming, I think. Hello? I'm not so convinced on that. Um, so, you know, the league changes their drink sponsor, uh, did the same thing when Herbalife got their, uh, their big fine and did their restructure, still sponsoring LA. Um, you know, the Avocare held a big... Uh, corporate thing at the game uh, when we were up in the press box writing after the game all the Advocare reps were out on the field um, you know Jesus Ferreira signing autographs and taking photos with them you know that that sale could well just be a case of let's clear out some old stock because you know they've got a very small uh, stock room and also hey let's get some money out of these Advocare reps um you know, there's there's always a lot to read into things. So just I don't know. I I, I seem to remember the uh, the Advocare deal was was longer than this, like to the end of next year. But yeah, I I maybe we're all just wishful thinking that this all you know one plus one equals three. Um, but that is a significant fine, and that company doesn't make so much money that 150 million bucks isn't going to hurt the bottom line. And it, I don't know. Um, it, 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 it does feel like we're putting a bunch of things together, and you're right. Uh, Herbalife actually went through something similar, and, and they ended up uh, remaining as the L.A. Uh, sponsor. That's correct. I had forgotten about that. It would be great if uh, there was a change in sponsor, but, you know. 
Well, it's funny. Uh, as soon as that happened, my uh, my thought was, well, my initial reaction was, well, if that's the case, I get it. They, you know, they have to can't they being Advocare have to cancel the contract, and there's always lines in those deals that allow them for outs in emergency situations. And I thought, well, who would replace them? And my first reaction is, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the team went without a shirt sponsor for a while. That ha- that's happened in a couple of MLS clubs uh, here of late. And then I thought, you know what? If I know the Hunts, it would be an existing uh, brand they're already doing business with. And if you go look at the website and you look at all the different partners, there's several on there that, you know, I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like, it's not going to be Heineken, obviously. It's not going to be Windstar because of that. But, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see MoneyGram. Uh, Texas Health would make sense. Chase would make sense. Um, NEC's on there, and NEC is a, um, uh, I didn't even think about this, but NEC is based in Irving, and they did all the technology in the Hall of Fame. So maybe that's one of them, too. So uh, Toyota with the stadium and the world oh, headquarters yeah, Toyota, down the street. And, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Toyota's kind of mo- most obvious one, but Toyota sponsors so many, and, and Toyota sponsors so many different soccer outlets, uh, San Antonio right. and uh, the facility up in Bridgeview for Chicago. So, yeah, there's a whole host of them. They could be so maybe maybe it is a quick turn. I don't know, but Dan's also right. There's just as there's probably even more evidence that nothing's changing if you really put something down to it and put your biases aside, right? Yeah, I, you could go either way. I just uh, it was three things so quickly that it was like oh maybe raise my eyebrows. You know, I wouldn't hate Pepsi Cola either for that matter as a sponsor. Yeah, can Pepsi. we just talk about how many jokes there would be if it was MoneyGram about the Hunts cashing checks? <laughs> yeah that would be pretty funny um Uh, maybe it'll be aldi they're a pretty good uh, fc dallas partner uh, are they are they is aldi an official sponsor yeah they've they've produced fc dallas scarves for a bunch of games have sponsored chick-fil-a they have a facility in the arena i doubt it's going to be chick-fil-a I would not surprise me at all that it's nobody for a while. They just—that's a really, really tough sell uh, for any meaningful amount of money, and it would make more sense to make it part of a package deal with one of these existing sponsors, um, like MoneyGram, for example. Uh, that just makes way more sense uh, because yeah. they can—they can, you know, package it part of a larger deal and get more. St- it's kind of like the Toyota thing, you know, uh, as part of the deal with Toyota for naming rights to the stadium. Toyota gets attached to all kinds of stuff uh, that have nothing to do with the stadium, like the uh, rep. You know, they get the uh, title sponsorship of their uh, radio show over on ESPN with Steve and Tyler. Um, you know, that's all part of that package deal with uh, Toyota. So, a MoneyGram deal for jersey sponsorship or whoever it is totally makes sense. Yeah, that's why I was leaning so heavily towards Toyota for the last year. It's just because of their involvement across the board with the organization. Yeah, well, I I suppose you're yeah that would make sense too. All right, um, okay. So we talked about the globe life thing. We talked about the crappy loss. Oh, uh, don't forget uh, for everybody who really wants to uh, because you know this really seems like a really good time to do this on the day that you're uh, fighting for your playoff lives. Uh, the club has decided it wants to participate and try to break a a Guinness World Record. Uh, before the game. So they're asking everybody to show up an hour and a half early to participate in the attempt to break the world's record of the world's largest rock, paper, scissors game. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this, except it seems sort of silly to me. This is not the kind of marketing that I like 
that's probably my only take on it. Okay, that's that's two thousand five hundred and ninety participants. The current record? I think so, yeah. Yeah, is there any chance three thousand people show up an hour and a half early to participate in this? So what they'll do is they'll do the same thing they do with the attendance figures. Thirty people will show up and they'll announce we just missed the record at two thousand nine hundred and twenty four. <laughs> Well, the, for it to be an official record, there will be Guinness officials on. There will be officials on hand to certify its legitimacy or the fact that they didn't hit it. So, Let's I don't, hope it's the only embarrassing point of the day. Yeah, it just. It, am I wrong? It just feels a little tone deaf and not completely thought out to do this on this particular day. I know they're having fan participation or appreciation week. It just seems like a really, really odd call. Yeah, I don't like it. It feels minor league to me. It feels like cash drop, you know, cow petty bingo, whatever you want to come up with. <laughs> well, I'm just putting it in relations to the importance of the day, right? No, I, I agree completely. I mean, any day would I, w- I would not be now with this kind of thing. But, you know, maybe I'm too old school. But I definitely agree in terms of decision day. I mean, maybe, maybe they're really worried about attendance and they're trying to scrape up anything they could possibly come up with trying to get somebody to show up. Well, That's at, all at, I can at, think of. Yeah, at no fault of their own, they're having to play this game essentially straight heads up against the Cowboys, who are, you know, with the Cowboys in town with the Packers. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's not their fault that, you know, the league books this thing way in advance and tries to make a big dramatic deal out of it. Um, I don't know. Uh, all right, my last question for you both. Are either one of you really hoping they make the playoffs? Yeah, I do. Why? You know, we're all fans as as well as covering the team, right? So. Well, no, I do, but I but is I guess I ask this question this way: If they make the playoffs, does it provide Dan and Clark Hunt some sort of level of excuse? For how they run the club, I I don't think so. I I think that they've already that this season has. I think I said this before. I think this season has already proven to them that they that their new plan works and that they're going to double down on it. So to me, making the playoffs or not making the playoffs won't affect that decision by them. So the reason I want them to make the playoffs is because I think it's a learning opportunity. I think that the playoff atmosphere is different. I think going on the road in a hostile environment is different, um, more hostile than usual. I think that it'll be a good opportunity for Lucci and his staff to learn. I think it's a good opportunity for the younger guys that I think they're going to build around to learn. So even if they don't go anywhere past this first game, I think it has an added value in the bigger picture. So that's why I want them to make the playoffs no matter what happens. And then outside of that, of course, it is only a five-game run to the MLS Cup, and you never know. Maybe you can get hot. Weird stuff happens. So that for me, that's why. I'm going to disagree with you um, on that. I think it would empower them. Um, you know, FC Dallas dropped off their spending half a million this year, not a, not a huge amount, and dropped back. Well, not so much because of what they stopped spending. If they spent the same amount of money as last year, they would still be 20th in the league. Uh, you know, this year, a ton of clubs have broken the 9 million mark. Oh, actually, broken the 10 million mark. Uh, you know, put it this way. Houston, um, FC Dallas spent $3.4 million more than them last year. This year, Houston made the gap up, and it's only $100,000 difference. Um, 
you know, you kind of, you, in some ways it's not the right message to send that, hey, we've got seventh. We're in, we're in this big game of craps. We can do it. It's great. We're, we're there. We're there. We, we're MLS Cup contenders now and on this amount of money. You kind of, in some way, you want them to say, you know what, we do need to commit more money to this and, and we need to, you know, go with the young core and complement them with a couple of guys who are high price, a couple of Reto Zieglers or, you know, Carlos Guerrero types who are that, you know, high TAM, you know, breaking a DP million dollar mark almost. Um, you know, you, you just don't want to, in some ways, encourage them too much. Yeah, I I can completely see Dan Hunt standing in front of everybody and saying, hey, our plan is working because we made the playoffs uh, on the very first year of our rebuilding adventure with Lucci and these young kids and 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 using that as some sort of uh, watermark of success that the rest of us will all find super maddening. I'm going to say I hope they don't make the playoffs only because I I predicted at the beginning of the season they just miss out on making the playoffs and I want to be adhere to my prediction and not uh, make it sound like I'm being wishy-washy about it. I also very much strongly believe that, uh, to Dan's point, uh, making the playoffs creates an excuse for Dan and Clark Hunt to continue to run the team uh, as they have uh, this season and the way they spend. Look, Uh, their big problem isn't even the amount of money necessarily they're spending. It's that they haven't proven to be consistently good at importing uh, uh, outside players. But um, the way that they do spend that money certainly does not make FC Dallas a desirable destination for up-and-coming proven talent from across the globe. Uh, even it, it with all the other things included in it, beyond the fact that they're just not you know paying big bucks and they're kind of cheap, uh, the facilities, the lack of atmosphere, the attendance issues, all the other, the fact that you're asking somebody to come play on a team filled with a bunch of kids from Dallas, Texas, uh, you know, if all things are being are, are all things are equal, meaning uh, Dallas and Portland are offering a number nine the same amount of money. Is there any chance that guy's coming to Dallas over Portland? I don't see a scenario in which that is the answer is yes. No, I agree with that. That's true. Like that's true. So I, I, you know, it's a weird state and it's a weird club to be a supporter of because there are so many things that they do so well. They are the absolute shining light. They're the lighthouse of soccer development in the United States up to a certain point. In fact, hell, their new USL team is on the verge of winning a championship. But once you break past that to the thing that, that you and I really care about, it's just not all that exciting. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's that's what they're saying is they're going to try and that's you're right that they've been good at the bottom in the academy in North Texas. So that's their, that's what they're going to try and carry forward. You know, hmm. and I think I think you're right that if they make the playoffs, Dan will definitely stand up and say all those things. I just saying that I don't think it'll make a difference whether they make or not in his belief. I think they already believe that that's the case. The playoffs will just give them the chance to stand up there and say that. Oh no, that's what I, I'm saying. I, you know. I agree with you, but when yeah. when when on the rare occasion they engage with the fan base and somebody says, "Hey, your plan isn't working," Dan will go, "No, no, it's working. We made the playoffs." Yeah. I just want I I would prefer him not have that opportunity to do that because uh, at the end of the day in Major League Soccer 
uh, for better or worse, good or bad, making the playoffs is some sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, cross, dividing line between a good season and a bad season. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Especially when you're 20th in spending. <laughs> I think that'll come up a little bit. I don't, you know, they're, they're not going to spend 10 million, but I think that's going to come up some this winter. Uh, well, if I get my wish, Paxton Palmicall will become a, the first homegrown to make a million dollars a year. I wish you well, Paxton. All right. Uh, I was right. We did it. Look at this. We're well over an hour. A buzz. Really, uh, dude, you deserve credit for surviving and making it through this with whatever uh, plague you've uh, encountered. <laughs> Yeah, sorry I sound so terrible, but thanks for uh, carrying us through, Peter. And thanks to our uh, patrons who support us, by the way, on Patreon. I appreciate that. All you out there, shout out. Yes. Buy in Tammy Flew for Buzz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throwing a little extra on the Patreon for Buzz to get some yeah. Tam- Tammy Flu, as Dan yeah, calls I, it. I, I hit the store hard today, get some stuff. I, yeah, good. I bet you did. I hope yeah. you bought a bunch of boxes of uh, Kleenex with aloe in them, too. Yeah, I bought the lotion Kleenex for my nose. It's a little sore. Oh, poor yeah. Buzz. All right. Well, everybody, uh, before you go to bed tonight or the next day, put a, a prayer in for the buzzard. Uh, Dan, thank you to you, too, and all your great insight. We appreciate that. Thank you, sir. And thank you, very good, beloved FC Dallas fan. We will speak to you next week, potentially on the last episode of the season, hmm, question mark, of Third Degree, the podcast. Double your hearts. 